all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Welcome to another segment of Body of Christ Real Talk. Real Talk, Real Talk. Good morning. Good mid-morning. Good mid-afternoon. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good mid-evening. And to all my night listeners, as I often redundantly repeat myself welcome 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 i like to recognize my audience that's why i constantly or redundantly say things over a lot of times so i want my audience to know i do recognize you and i really thank you for putting up time to download my podcast to download my podcast i really appreciate that thank you thank you thank you for that all right Spiritual obesity. What is spiritual obesity? Is is there a such thing scientifically? Is there a such thing scientifically proven or proof that there is spiritual obesity? No. <laughs> no. Now, the reason I'm doing this is I want you to understand it's a series that I'm starting. It's called a spiritual diet, spiritual obesity. And there is no Bible, biblical, biblical, spiritual or scientific proof of what I'm saying is accurate. Okay. I'm not even trying to say it is. I'm just using this as a what? A metaphor or an allegory to make a point. Okay? Now, I'm doing this for, for a reason. This is something I just created myself. So I don't want believers, the body of Christ, to think you can find anything that will line up with what I'm saying in the Bible. And I'm not trying to, or I don't, and I don't claim to say that it is in the Bible. That's why I'm putting it out there as a disclaimer. I'm using it as a metaphor. I'm connecting it with a physical diet because basically I'm trying to allegorically explain the struggles and the weights, which the Bible do mention weights, especially in the King James Version, about the struggles that a lot of churches the body of Christ and church denominationals struggle with today or are involved with today and uh, and why there is so much error in these churches see 
and I'm using this metaphor as a diet or spiritual weight loss or spiritual obesity, just as a matter of metaphor, not a proven spiritual biblical term or a scientific term. I'm just using it as a metaphor. Let me get that disclaimer out there first for my new listeners. My other downloaders, you might know that by now. But I'm just talking to my new downloaders and stuff like that that's listening to this show. So don't go trying to search this and do different things like that because it's nothing you can find. I'm using it as a metaphor uh, for the ones understand that. Uh, the Bible uses allegories and it uses metaphors sometimes. Not saying that it's true, but they're making an example. So, you know, it's an example. You could talk allegorically and... But you always got to remind your listeners that this is not basically a true story. See, usually when you uh, explain this something allegorically, you have to break it down in two types of stories. The made up story and then you point to your meaning is the real story. You break it down. What real story you talking about? That's some what in a term using some allegorically. There's two terms. A made-up story, and then you pointed to why you made up the made-up story. You connected to the real story. People understand when you kind of break down things to them that way. A lot of people understand allegorically speaking. Now you can use it also for a bad way, like a lot of churches do as well, which I don't like. You can use a lot of allegories and stuff like that without really, you know, explaining why you used it. Because you have a lot of naive and gullible uh, people in your church and uh, believers in your church might take you literally. So that's why I'm coming out with this, this, letting you know, I don't mean this literally, it's just an allegory. But it has, I'm using this made up story to, uh, to point out a real story, you know, just like the Bible does sometimes when it uses allegories, you know, and to let you know. Uh, I'm just using like Paul used in Galatians when he was breaking down Sariah and Israel stuff like that. He was he said he was allegorically speaking, using in an allegory way to make up a real meaning or what's going on. So that's what I'm doing with this. I'm using an allegorically way uh, of explaining the struggles and the strongholds, a Bible term and uh, type of weights. A Bible term in the King James Bible that's going on in the church, the body of Christ, not just the church building, the body of Christ today. So I'm using an allegorical term to explain that real meaning when it comes to struggles and weights and certain doctrines that you are holding on to that's bringing that's slowing you down and slowing you down to be used the way God wants to use you. You understand what I'm saying? That's in most denominational churches or Christendom. But I'm talking about Christendom doesn't mean everybody is in the body of Christ. So basically, I'm talking to the body of Christ because Christendom is just a whole way, a whole a worldly way of looking at Christianity, according to man. But I'm just talking about the body of Christ. Because the body of Christ is the only group spiritually can really be affected by these uh, type of weights and type of strongholds. The church, the body of Christ, not the church building. So I wanted to throw that out there. So I'm allegorically speaking when I say uh, spiritually obese. That means saying that you will have some type of idea about time when this series over or you should 
unless you're not paying attention or you're just not listening no more to to this series uh which is your choice you will know uh, well, you know what i mean when i say spiritual obesity or the church the body of christ needs a spiritual diet I'm talking about the struggles and the false doctrine or the traditional doctrines that many denominational, most denominational churches are stuck in. That's what I mean by spiritual obesity. So I want you to know that, okay? All right. I felt I needed to explain that because everybody might think it's something spiritually proven in the Bible and they can't find it. They might want to say, what do I find these scriptures? And no, it's not. It's just an allegorically uh, made-up story to uh, out of glory made up story to make a point of a real meaning that's going on in the church. You understand? A lot of people understand it better that way. Oh, well, I hope I got that through, you know. Okay. This is uh, section two. I, I, I've done my introduction the other day, which was yesterday. Uh, what's the day? April 1st? I mean, August 1st. I done my... Um, my uh, introduction yesterday on this series called uh, Spiritual Obesity. And uh, I'm using it, like I said, allegorically in the same way that I use that, that say, the same way as a physical obesity. You know, stuff like that. Overweight and bad health and stuff like that. But I'm using it in a spiritual way. And I, I'm doing this Hopefully, I'm doing this for many uh, people, many believers can understand, even in the church, there's a struggle with not only sin, of course, that's the number one thing, not only with sin, but traditions, which are weights and strongholds in the, uh, in the body of Christ, the ones that's in the body of Christ. And uh, a lot of this stuff, Besides your personal sins that you struggle with, and we do, that's also a problem in the church. I'm not really getting into that, but it has an issue to do. We do need to deal with our personal sins in church, and a lot of us have struggles. That's part of also a spiritual obesity in church, you know, allegorically speaking, you know, part of that too. But I'm mostly going to focus on uh, doctrine, doctrinal traditions doctrinal upbringings that's slowing the body of Christ down from doing our work as ambassadors, not the Great Commission but as ambassadors it's slowing us down and God cannot use us and some of us is in a reprobate stage which means, that don't mean you're not saved, that don't mean you lost your salvation that just means reprobate you know, broke down in the Bible means useless, God cannot use you now as a saved person because <clears throat> you are spiritually blocked, you know, not by him, but by your traditional denominational beliefs, you know, let alone sin action itself, you know, but I'm just talking about your, your, uh, your spiritual denominational beliefs. So if I just put that in the same uh, category as weight loss, you cannot perform the way you perform on your job or in marriage or in sports or a lot of things because of your overweight obesity that brings other ailments or comorbidities. So you see I'm putting those two together. It's the same way that I'm putting it this way uh, spiritually when it comes to the church. Okay. All right.
What I'm finna do or talk about in this second uh, uh, segment, then you know where I'm going. Uh, about spiritual obesity. Where did it start from? I, I, I don't have the answer to all of that. So I'm just going to break down the best way I can that I see it. Because some things I just cannot explain as well as others. Okay, so bear with me. Uh, the first, what, what, remember I talked about, uh, I was talking about the diet, the uh, high protein, the low carb diet. Please, please, I, I recommend go back and check out this series. It's very important. The high protein, low carb diet, as many people call, remember as the keto diet, which is more famous today, or the Atkins or whatever. Now, then I talked about the more, uh, the hot ones, that's the carnivore and the lion diet. Okay, I talked about all of that. Now, I'm going to uh, kind of put it side by side with the spiritual diet when I'm talking about the church, the body of Christ, not Christendom or church buildings itself, but the body of Christ, the organism, the true church. That's who I'm, I'm dressing this to. The saved person, not the unbeliever that goes to church. I'm talking about the saved person, the believer, the believer, the new creature. Okay. That's who I'm, I'm addressing this to, including myself. Okay. The body of Christ, uh, the church today. Now, in order for you to understand that, you're going to have to really Go through the whole series. Go through the whole series to understand what I'm talking about. But I'm not going to confuse. I'm going to try to make as plain and as uh, simple as I can because I'm simple. So I'm going to try to make this as simple as I can, okay? Now, think about when I start talking about a diet, what is a diet to lose weight? And you should be thinking about What's the history and what gets you in that situation that you are overweight? And I'll explain that in the physical diet. You know, I explained that then when I was talking about this certain diet, the high carb, uh, the uh, low carb, high carb, high, I mean the low carb, high protein, high fat, high fat diet. Let's look at it in the spiritual church way. And not, this is not exhaustive. So this is not the the main breakdown, biblical breakdown, but it, 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 it leads very close, okay? It leads very close. And the same reason that people became overweight physically, allegorically, the same thing happens in church, the body of Christ, spiritually. Bad eating, bad choices, lack of exercise, etc., stuff like that. But in the spiritual way, I hope you follow what I'm saying. But in the spiritual way, you got to look at it in the spiritual way. And it's going to start with you have to go back your upbringing and the church. See, the same way you have to look at it in the physical sense, how you got what you got. A lot of people don't know what they, how they got what they got. That's why I, I got it. I broke it down the, uh, in the physical uh, diet, obesity. 
how, how the United States became so obesity because of the bad foods and bad carbohydrates and stuff like that that was stuffed in them and traditional uh, ways of eating and stuff like that that was brought on by, you know, the system as, as the government, the FDA, the American Heart Association and, you know, uh, this Keys guys that started this 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 uh, traditional bad meat, meat is bad for you because it raises the cholesterol and stuff like that, XL Keys, you know, which was, he started this in 1955. See, it's always a, always a beginning of something when it comes to tradition. So it's the same when it comes to the church. When it comes to the church, going all the way back to the uh the last apostle, which was John. But let's talk about the apostle Paul. And you know what, if you listen to me enough, you know what his doctrine was, saved by grace, the gospel, the grace of God, believing what Jesus done, his death, burial, resurrection, etc., and stuff like that, you know, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4, that when Paul died, that was the gospel that is still going on today. It, it, that God ordained that gospel. He ordained that gospel. That was the, the fulfillment of the word of God, biblical wise. You might say, not Joe, blah, 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 you know, not, uh, bear with me. You know, and uh, so the grace of God, salvation, how to be saved. I want to start right there. You know, how to be saved. The gospel of salvation, you probably never heard this before. I want you to hold on to this because this is very important. The gospel of salvation is 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4, which was told, which was revealed to the Apostle Paul by the risen Christ in the heavenly places. Okay. It's a heavenly mystery, hidden message that was only revealed to the Apostle Paul. Okay? You know, it was only revealed to him. No other man, man or woman in the Bible, it was only revealed. It was called a mystery, a hidden secret. And this is just one of the mysteries that was revealed to the Apostle Paul. It's about seven or eight different mysteries. But you will only find them in the letters of Paul, his 13 letters. So listen closely. You will only find it in the Apostle Paul's 13 letters, the seven or eight. I think it's seven of them. I could be wrong, but I, I don't think I'm too off. It's between seven or eight hidden mysteries, which is mystery means mysterion in the Greek, which means secret. So it's different mysteries and secrets that was only revealed to Apostle Paul before he revealed it to everyone, revealed it to all the other apostles and prophets that was in his time. You know, because there's many prophets and apostles in the Bible, so I want you to let you know I'm not talking about the kingdom apostles or prophets. I'm talking about the, the apostles and prophets after the kingdom going into the grace period, because there were still prophets and apostles. They might have not been used the same way, but they were still apostles and prophets. Paul was the father. He was the main apostle that was only revealed to him. He had different followers like Silas and Barnabas and stuff like that. And some of them were apostles. But Paul stands out because he was the main apostle that was only revealed to him, not to the, uh, his other followers. Okay. So you need to understand that. So when God gave 
Paul this message about grace. This message has nothing had nothing to do with a covenant. It had nothing to do with a covenant, okay? What do I mean by the covenant? The covenant under the law, like Israel, like the kingdom program. See, the message that Jesus revealed from heaven to Paul was not the same message that he told his 11, then became 12 when Matthias came, when Judas uh, hung himself, Matthias took over in the book of Acts, that made it 12 because it had to be 12, okay? Matthias took over Judas' position, okay? It's not the same gospel message, Acts 2.38 message, uh, that was preached by Peter, that Jesus revealed to Paul to preach to the world, which is the Gentiles, okay? So that message, the kingdom message, which po was postponed, I don't like to use the word canceled or canceled means it's not coming back, but it's just used postponed, put to the side. Why? Because they are unbelief. When they stoned Stephen, that was the last draw. Some theologians believe it's the blaspheming. They blaspheme and it was against the Holy Spirit. That was the last draw. And you can read that in Acts, I think, Acts 9 and 11, 11 to 25. Not, I mean Romans, I'm sorry. Romans 9 and 11 to 25, excuse me. I'm going too fast. So, Acts 9. Listen very carefully. I'm not doing a whole breakdown. You know, you can find more of a breakdown than connecting the dots. But this is not connecting the dots Bible study. This is just giving you a little short uh uh, timeline the way God works see so you can understand where I'm going when I talk about spiritual obesity now if you read the books of Paul I'm talking to believers I'm talking to the saved now if you read Paul's epistles uh, which the King James called Paul's letters those letters that Paul wrote is for the Gentiles is for the world that means Jews and Gentiles but uh, I believe it's predominantly Gentiles. I believe it's predominantly Gentiles. You know, and I don't doubt that. The gospel that Jesus revealed to Paul from heaven is not the same gospel as Jesus told Peter and the twelve to go out into the world, Mark 16 and 16, the Great Commission. See, you must understand that first before we go further in the series. You must understand that first. Remember, just what I said, the gospel, Jesus' earthly ministry and the gospel he told the 12 to go out and preach and whatever follows behind it was specifically in context. He told the 12 and Matthew and also in March 16, 16, go out to the world, starting with what? Jerusalem, Judea, and everything like that, Samaria, and then go out to the other world, which they never made it. They never went that far because of their unbelief. But that was the Great Commission. That was called the Great Commission for the Jews, for the apostles, for, you know, the kingdom program, the messianic program. That was called the Great Commission for Israel. Not the world, not the Gentiles, not for me and you. That was the great commission for Israel. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions. And it's because that occasional shave really hurts. 
It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase. And no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. This is very important to understand, okay? That was called the Great Commission, okay, March 1616. Now, when Jesus died and he rose again and was at the right hand with the Father, laid on down the line, laid on from Acts 1 all the way to Acts 9 was still the kingdom program, which made that also still the law. Listen closely. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I always remember this was still the law. Only difference was Jesus was on earth and he fulfilled what the law really meant. That's why he just said the law said this or whatever like that. He never refuted or never told them that the law wasn't in play no more. He never said that, you know. He never said that, but he just fulfilled it and explained what the law really meant because a lot of the Pharisees and some of the Sadducees and a lot of these uh, groups was putting in a lot of man-made traditions on top of the law. Israel now, it was a lot of made man traditions added with the law. So Jesus had to fully explain what the law was really saying Excluding the man-made traditions. Excluding the man-made traditions. Excluding man-made traditions. I have to take a pause there, okay? So, going forward. When Jesus, before he was crucified, he told them they would receive power from on high. He called it the comforter in the King James Bible. He called it the comforter. The comforter is the Holy Spirit. You know, the comforter is the Holy Spirit, you know, in the King James Bible. And uh, he told them that they will receive power from on high. When he leaves, he's going to send back the comforter. He's going to send back the Holy Spirit, which that was accomplished. Okay, that was accomplished. They needed the Holy Spirit to do the things they needed to do because there was no Bible. There was no uh, written word for them to follow. So they had to do things supernaturally. That was the reason that he had to send the Holy Spirit, the third of the triune, the third of the Godhead. Many people know that's the Trinity, you know. That's why he had to send the Holy Spirit back because he wasn't with them anymore. See, they was following him. You know, majority of the followers was called the little flock. Everybody in Israel did not follow Jesus. It was a group of only a group that followed them called the little flock that followed him. You know, so uh, when he died, he told them, even though, check this out, even though when he was breaking down, you know, how he was going to die and suffer and everything like that, 
the disciples had no idea what he was talking about. They didn't even understand it. Why? Because God kept it hidden from them. So they didn't understand the resurrection. They did not. It was kept hidden from them. You know, I can read those scriptures now, but I'm trying to get through that, uh, you know, because it'll take longer if I just keep hitting the verses and scriptures. OK, but if you want to learn more, just leave a comment and I just show you some verses and some Bible verses at the back of what I'm saying. OK, but for now, let's go through this. The disciples did not know nothing about the cross, not, you know, because they always they was kept. They was uh, supernaturally kept hidden from from them. That's why Peter said, Lord, this would never happen to you, even though it was explained and broke down in prophecy over 500 years or so before that time. I can have the, uh, the uh, years wrong, but just bear with me. The 500 years or so in that area before that time, even the book of Isaiah explained what was going to be happening to Jesus and stuff like that. The old prophets explained the kingdom and everything. Uh the disciples and a lot of the Jews already knew about that, but they was really lost and blind when it came to the crucifixion of Jesus because they, it was it was kept from them. Their eyes was opened later on. That's why Peter was explaining to them when they crept their Messiah. But at that particular time, it was hidden from them by God. See, God keeps mysteries sometimes, secrets. I'm going to get to that later on. That it was kept hidden from them. But anyway, going fast forward, you know, the Great Commission. When he told the disciples, not everybody, not me, not you. We have to keep it in context. When Jesus said you would be going out to the world, you have to keep it in context at that time. When, where and who he's talking to. Uh, it's almost like exegesis and eisegesis. You got to know which one. Who's talking to who? At that time in context, he's talking to his disciples. The twelve, Peter, James, John, which was somewhat the leaders of the rest of the, rest of the nine apostles. You're going to send them out to the world, which was called the Great Commission. You know, to go out to first. You have, this is very important. You go out to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the outermost areas of the world. But they never made it out. So the great, and he also explained in Mark 16 and 16 what will be following them. See, this is after the power of the Holy Spirit, the comfort that came on them at the day of Pentecost. See, that happened later on the day of Pentecost. See, which was only 120 there, including Mary, Jesus' uh, earthly, mother, earthly mother. There was only 120 there in the upper room the day of Pentecost, you know, that uh, a Jewish festival. See, all this I'm talking about is Jewish. All this I'm talking about is Israel. It has nothing to do with Gentiles. Very important to know it has nothing to do with Gentiles. You know, contrary to what we've been taught in church. So, first thing you must understand, when Jesus was talking about the Great Commission, he wasn't talking to me and you. He was talking to Israel at that time. See, what they was going to have to do. See, the Gentiles wasn't even in play then. If you and me was there then, Jesus wasn't talking to none of us. He shunned a few Gentiles or even mixed ones. He shunned them in a way because it wasn't his time yet. 
a couple of Gentiles wanted to see Jesus and hear Jesus. And Jesus said his time is close. It's not his time. He said it's something like that. Letting them know that this is not the time to deal with Gentiles now in a paraphrased way. But let me digress. Going back, see, I want you to understand he was talking to the 12 when he, about the Great Commission, what they would be doing, the uh, speaking in tongues. And because they had to learn the nation's languages, then they would be doing signs and wonders and stuff like that. See, that was for them. They needed that type of power to prove who God was and prove to the Jews because the Jews always was always uh, in their history, you know, from the time of Moses, signs and wonders followed Israel. Signs and wonders followed Israel. I'm saying this one more again. Signs and wonders followed Israel, especially beginning in the time of Moses, when God sent Moses. See, those were the big times of the signs and wonders and stuff like that. It was Israel, all right, after the Mosaic Law. I'm not talking about anything before that. You know, the signs and wonders was really uh, extraordinarily exposed in the times of Moses. God done some incredible things with Abraham and, you know, through Jacob and stuff like this. But it was, you know, it wasn't this... Uh, so miraculous is it was miraculous but not so spectacular when it came to uh after Moses and all the the things that Moses done by the Holy Spirit moving through Moses, you know. So you understand what I'm saying, but one thing you must understand, it was only Israel. It was never a Gentile nation. It was only Israel that God done these signs and wonders through. It was only Israel. You know. Check it out, it was only Israel, you know. <laughs> And uh, so at that particular time, when Jesus was on earth, Jesus only came for Israel, according to Romans 15 and 8. You can read that on your own. Romans 15 and 8. Jesus came for Israel. See, when Jesus was will be considered very cold. I think that's Matthew 15 and 24 when he told that Canaanite woman that you know, <clears throat> when he's told the Katie not woman, uh, basically, uh, he in fifteen, if it, you have to read fifteen and twenty four. Now, what I'm gonna maybe I need to go that now for this this time, so I won't keep. Uh, let's go to Matthew. I think it's 15 and 24, pretty, mostly pretty sure. So let's go there and just read it. So I won't be trying to, I won't misquote nothing so you can see where I'm going. All right, Matthew 15 and 24. And I'm a, let's go 15, Matthew 15. And let me see. All right, I'm a 24. Now let's start at 22. Now I'm going to read it. So you see where I'm going. This is just one of the examples that Jesus was, and I'm going to break it down, what he really mean. He was only dealing with Israel. It wasn't a Gentile's time. And it's, it sounds cold, but Jesus was cold at sometimes. He was just very point blank. All right, let's go. Matthew, if you got a Bible, uh, go to Matthew 15 and 22. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew 15 and 22. Okay. Go there. And if you are there, I'm going to read Matthew finish, uh, 15 and 22. 
Okay, now let's read it. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. In other words, she was possessed by a devil. Her daughter was uh, possessed by a devil. The King James says vexed. My daughter is vexed with a devil. But Jesus answered her, not a word. Jesus didn't say nothing, just like he did when they was talking about stoning that woman. Jesus just wrote on the ground or in the dirt or the sand or whatever it was. He didn't say nothing. He ignored her. But he answered her, not a word. And We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions. And it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. There's only one road into Key West. But you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cried after us. 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, what did Jesus say? Read this if you got your Bible. Hopefully you do. Matthew 15 and 24. Jesus answered her and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of Israel of the house of Israel. You want to see that, you want to hear that plainly. Jesus said, I was, I was only sent for Israel. I came for only Israel. That probably went over your head before. You probably read, read right over you, some of you. See? And then she said in 25, then came she and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, listen to this. This is cold. It is not me to take the children's bread and cast it into the dogs. Now, first of all, you have to understand the children. What children is he talking about? These for the ones who understand. Now, what did he say above? I am only sent but for Egypt. In other words, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So when you go to 26 and when he mentions children, it is not meat to take the children's bread. The children is who? Israel. So that's how the Bible explains itself. You don't have to ask who's the children because it's interpreting itself. It don't take much interpretation. Uh, it's explaining itself in verse 26. Verse 25 and verse 26, and when it comes to Israel and children, they are the same. So I want you to understand that. So when Jesus answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it into the dogs. Now, another word I want you to look at, dogs. When I explained this earlier, the different names that Jews called uh, Gentiles. Gentiles is just any nation that's not a Jew. It's not as many nations then like it is today, but you still are considered a Gentile to a Jew. Okay, so remember that. The dogs Jesus is talking about is a Gentile. Gentiles was known as dogs. 
and dogs or Gentiles probably was worthy of their name because they worship and done all kind of sick and perverted and other things. They worship other gods. They done a lot of perverted sick stuff, you know. So they was known as Lord's a dog, you know, and stuff like that. So Jesus used that term because that's what they was. <laughs> Period. You know, might be cold, but that's 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 what Gentiles is known as dogs. So it is not meat or it is not right, in other words, to take Israel's bread and cast it to the dogs. That's what that means. Children's bread means Israel's bread and cast it into the dogs. But check it out, 27. And she said, true, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. There's two things I want you to look at. First, the dog. Remember who the dogs are. The Gentiles. Eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Who are the, who is he, she's considering uh, spiritually as her master? Israel. Israel's covenant, see. She understood that Israel had a covenant. She understood. She probably heard of the miraculous thing that the God of Israel done in the past. That's the only way she can say that she heard about also Maybe this Messiah that's coming out of Israel, that's coming. So you have to put all that together. See, she understood that. Why, how do you know she understood that, Joe? Because Jesus is going to break it down like this. When she said, true, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. 28, Jesus, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. How come Jesus healed her daughter then? Why? Go to the above verses. The Bible interprets itself. The word of God interprets itself. Reason being because she understood the format under covenant. She understood that Israel was the key to salvation. Jesus also breaks down and... Uh, other verses in these gospels that salvation is of the Jews. I forgot what verse that was. You probably know. You know, you probably know what I'm talking about. Salvation. I don't have time to go through all these scriptures now. And I didn't write no notes. Salvation is of the Jews. Now, why is I'm going here? Why did I'm doing this? I want you to understand as well as Romans 15 and 8, as well as the Great Commission. This was Israel's program. These was the things that the kingdom program was a Jewish program. If a Gentile, which God did not leave out, only way a Gentile can be somewhat of a partaker and the uh, kingdom program, he had to be proselyted in. See, what does proselyte mean? He had to be converted in the Jewish program. Jewish program. He had to be converted. That's what proselyte means, conversion. A Gentile had to be converted. That was the only way for a Gentile to get saved or get converted. They had to be converted or proselyted in the Jewish system. But it was always the Jewish was the forerunners that supposedly that's supposed to have uh, brought that kingdom message out to the Gentiles but they never made it out there because of their unbelief and the last strikers in Acts 7 when Stephen got stoned. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? Okay I hope you understand what I'm saying. My point is uh, the kingdom program everything before Paul was a Jewish program. All the things 
that happened before Paul, signs and wonders, miracles and different things like that, baptisms and tithing and all this stuff was Jewish, Israel. It was not Gentiles, which is us today. It was not the body of Christ. The body of Christ was not in existence then because Jesus was still alive. He was still on the earth. There was no body of Christ. There was no so-called Christians or nothing like that. See, you must understand that first. So when you read the four Gospels, mainly the four Gospels, you're reading a Jewish, a Jewish gospel. You're reading Israel's program. You're reading the law. That's why anytime you say you follow Jesus' earthly ministry, you put yourself under the law because that was the law. Jesus just perfected it. He excluded the man-made traditions by the Pharisees and all those other sects was out there, S-E-C-T. So you have to understand Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John was the law as well. That's not the New Testament. That was still Old Testament. It cannot be new because Jesus was still alive. That's a mistranslation. I forgot the guy's name who put that up in there. He didn't want to put in New Testament, but Matthew... It's not the New Testament. None of that is the New Testament. It's still Old Testament because Jesus is still alive. It's after his death that the New Testament will start uh, coming to fruition. It's not fulfilled. Not even now. It's not having been fulfilled. Okay. Now, I know I'm getting kind of deep in this, but I, I'm trying to make this plain as I can. So just remember, it's all Israel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John is still Old Testament because the testator is still was still alive then, which is Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. See? The Jewish Messiah was still on earth. You understand what I'm saying? So it's still Old Testament. <clears throat> okay. All the way up to Acts, Acts 9, the transition started to the Apostle Paul when he got, you know, converted to the Apostle Paul. It started all the way back then. But anything before Acts 9 is kingdom. It's kingdom gospel. It's the Jewish gospel. It's the Great Commission. You must understand that. Before I go any further about spiritual obesity and why I'm going this way, you must understand that this is called rightly dividing. And you will go a long way. And I want you to search and start listening to certain teachers if you're interested in everything like that. You will go a long way. It will stop a lot of confusion. You'll see where I'm going. When you understand a lot of the things that you read in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, and John, not even going back in the Old Testament. A lot of you know better than that now. But let's stay with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Reason being because the majority of the churches teach out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You agree? You know, you agree? Leave a comment if you agree. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, maybe your church teaches out. I'm not saying they don't teach out of other books. Not, so don't, don't, don't think I'm saying that. But the majority of the church put their stock on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus' earthly ministry. The majority of what's been taught in churches, denominationalism and traditional churches today is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and a lot of Peter, James, and whatever like that, and some Paul. 
see, which is good. But the only thing that's our issue is they put it all together like a gumbo, you know, just mix everything together. Paul's teaches and uh, the four gospels. And that's why you got so much confusion now when it comes to the gospel and salvation, stuff like that. But I'm not going to go that far yet. I'm just trying to give you a little of God's timeline. OK, you can get a lot of this teaching more in connecting the dots. I advise you to go to Connecting Dots. It's a lot of Bible study teaching because that's what the podcast is for, for believers that want to understand God's timeline and the way God is really doing things in this word of God. Not traditional ways, but the Bible way, the word of God way. So I'm just giving you a little breakdown, you know, a leading, up, leading up to why I'm doing this series, Spiritual Obesity. Because you're going to know why. Or you should anyway, if you're paying attention. You're going to know why why I'm doing this. Because I just read this in 15 and 24, 22, going to 24, all the way up to 28. And you can also read Romans 15 and 8. And when Jesus also said in the book of Matthew that salvation is of the Jews. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions. And it's because that occasional shave really hurts the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. Hensonshaving.com slash holiday. To those who visit Mickey D's for their favorite breakfast item and then go somewhere else for coffee, give this Mickey D's brew a second chance. The glow up was real. Try any size iced coffee brewed with 100% Arabica beans for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with a savory sausage McMuffin with egg for $2.79. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So when he was talking to the disciple Phoenician woman and stuff like that, he was letting them know. And even when the two Gentiles came to uh, 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 Jerusalem and they wanted to see Jesus, but Philip uh, went back and told Jesus that it was a couple of Gentiles. I'm paraphrasing now that wanted to see him. And Jesus said his time has not come yet. What time is he talking about for him to be sacrificed on the cross? See, everything, it wasn't, in other words, it wasn't time for the Gentiles yet, for him to go out to the Gentiles, see? He didn't say that, but you have to connect the dots. It wasn't this time, so that's why he said that, you know, he was not going to do anything before his time, you know, especially when it came to the Gentiles. As a matter of fact, it was only a few Gentiles that Jesus dealt with. See, that Canaanite woman and the Roman centurion that had, I, I believe, a Jewish slave and everything like that. You know, because that was part of the, of the program where God promised to Abraham, see, in Genesis, that any foreigner come and they start, you know, helping Israel and, you know, you know, partaking in different things like that with prayer and worship, whatever like that, they would be blessed. So Jesus being God... The second of the triune being God knew that. So that's why he healed that Roman centurion, Roman Gentile centurion's servant. You, you, and when you understand that, you say, wow, if you read what I'm talking about, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and read it objectively, 
and you, you start understanding that Jesus is talking to Jewish people. This is a Jewish gospel. That's why many Messianic Jews call Jesus a Messianic Jewish Messiah. Even today, they call him the Messianic Jewish Messiah because they understand that Jewish was, Jesus was the king and the Messiah for Israel. The prophesied promised Messiah for the Jews that was supposed to bring the whole gospel to the world, the Gentiles, but they never made it. And I'm going to get to that down the line why they didn't make it. But Jews, uh, the Israel was supposed to be the anchor, the leaders anyway, but the leaders failed. The Pharisees, they failed. It was only the little flock. They supposed to have been the anchors to bring the gospel salvation to the world, but it never went that far. See, because of that unbelief with the Acts 7 stoning of Stephen. So that's just a little, a little cliff note, I like to call it. I like to use that term a lot, cliff note of the breakdown. For me to go any further, you must understand the programs. So you won't be confused. You will have some type of idea why I'm, I break down a spiritual obesity this way. Because traditions. Uh, the majority of the church uh, is caught up in mostly uh, Israel's mail, Israel's traditions, the kingdom program traditions, plus added on with man-made traditions. That's just a fact. Denominations. It's a lot of uh, kingdom traditions added on with a lot of man-made traditions with a little topping of sugar of Paul's letters. <laughs> the reason I'm saying it because that's how it is. See, you know, Paul's letters, I like to use the term, it's not sexy to a lot of, especially when it comes to Pentecostal churches and stuff like that because it's not the signs and wonders and all that tongue talking and stuff like that, you know. My point is, that's how most of the majority of the churches, 90-something percent of the churches teach the kingdom program. Uh, why do they do that? What started them to do that? First of all, the manipulator, the master manipulator is Satan. See, there's a lot of denomination, not because of God. It's because of Satan manipulated it that way. Why did he manipulate it that way? Because he don't want you to hear the true gospel, which was pro preached by Paul. See, you notice that Paul get put down a lot. It's just like today. Anything that gets put down a whole lot and the majority is putting down the minority, the majority of the time, the minority is correct. Paul is the minority, even though he's Jewish. He's a minority. So his gospel is not preached. The gospel of salvation is not preached in the majority of the churches. See, it was masterly planned that way, manipulated by Satan. Satan thought, thought he took care of everything on the cross at the death of Jesus. So he got bamboozled. Satan got hoodwinked and bamboozled. And he's very upset because he thought it was over when he had Jesus crucified. He didn't have him crucified. That was already been prophesied uh, in the book of Psalms and some areas of Psalm talks about his crucifixion. So that was nothing, but he was partaking of it even though he didn't even know it. So he got hoodwinked himself, but I'm going too far again. My point is, all this has to do with Israel, Jews, okay? Has to do with Jews. All right, I hope you got something out of this. Now, 
this is just the second uh, uh, second program on this spiritual obesity and the reason I'm giving you this little timeline now what I'm going to do uh, I'm going to let you look now now let me digress now after the transition before the transition you must understand I hope you got something you learned something and some of you already know that if you've been listening to me or you've been listening to Connecting the Dots there's two programs one of them is not in existence today I'm not going to say anymore but one of them is not in existence today see do you know which one after I just broke that down if you don't know which one, let's go here. Okay. Now, going ahead. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the kingdom program. The under To understand what's going on, what's going to be happening in the kingdom, you have to go back in the, in, in deeper in the Old Testament. The prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Zechariah, Jeremiah, and all those prophets understand, especially Isaiah breaking down the kingdom program, the promised kingdom program, and the coming Messiah, that coming king. You know, even some of Moses' programs talked about the coming seed. Abraham, the seed, not seeds, plural, but seed singular. Talking about Jesus. Jesus is throughout the Bible. But it don't say Jesus. Jesus' name is only mentioned in the four Gospels. Jesus is Jehovah. Jesus is I Am and the Old Testament. But when it comes to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, he's known as Jesus. You know, you didn't know that? Well, you know it now. See, this is all biblical. So Jesus is all through the Bible since the fall of man, Adam and Eve. Jesus is all through the Bible, but he's not called Jesus. He's called the I am or he's called Yehovah or the name they used to pronounce it, which is we know it's not Jehovah now, but, it's, you know, they could pronounce the name and different things like that, you know, and, uh, <coughs> you know, and stuff like that. So remember Daniel. And the fire, when they got what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, got through in the fire, and they noticed it was one down there, and he kind of looked like the son of God. Now, that could mean two things it could either be talked about Jesus, which I kind of believe it was, or it could be called angels, because remember. The sons, angels was known as sons of God also, G, little g, sons of God. So it can either be Jesus uh, that they seen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego seen in that of uh, uh, fire that they did not burn up or they didn't even smell like smoke, according to what the word of God said in Daniel. They say it looks like the son of God. I believe it could have been Jesus. I believe that was Jesus. But I, was in, uh, but I want you to also understand angels was known also as sons of God. When you read your Bible, they was known as sons of gods. Okay, so I just wanted to put that out there because it might be a little differences of theologians the way they look at it. But I believe most uh, theologians and grace teachers believe it was Jesus. My point is that Jesus was all through the Bible. Jesus showed up not as the name Jesus, though. His name was only he was only named that in his earthly, fleshly, human uh body, not his spiritual body, not his deity, not his all-powerful body. He was mainly known mostly on his earthly ministry as Jesus, Yeshua, you know, stuff like that, you know. All right? I want you to understand that 
even when he was prophesied, they didn't say you will have Jesus coming or Jesus is coming. Your Messiah is going to be Jesus. They did not say that. No, Jesus name was only revealed. That's his earthly name was revealed in the four Gospels. You must understand that. See. So I don't want people to get stuck on that. See, uh, just like I don't want people to get stuck on how Jesus looked or what color or his melanin, his skin color was. See, too many people get stuck on that because they look at Jesus as how movies portrayed them, mostly Caucasian. Lily white with blue, uh, beautiful eyes and long hair, whatever, brown, whatever. Movies portrayed Jesus. The Catholic Church portrayed Jesus looking like that. Nobody know how Jesus really looked. The Bible don't get too much on how what color was his skin or whatever like that. Whatever like that, you know, whatever uh, the Galilean color or the Nazarene color was. That's what color Jesus was. Which don't make no difference. My point is tradition. See, all this is tradition. This is I'm building up. See, you see how, how I'm building this up because all this is going to lead to spiritual obesity because people in denominations and traditions, even in churches and other sects, C-E-C-T, is have certain pictures, especially the Catholic Church, of pictures and formats of Jesus hanging, you know, with the long hair, Caucasian. Sometimes he looks kind of feminine, you know. Uh, and not so much gay, but feminine wearing different things like that because traditionally, that's how Jesus been pictured in movies and old sculptures and stuff like that. You know, a lot of this stuff comes from the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church is so powerful traditionally. Some people think Catholic Church is the Church of Churches, the Catholic Church and Catholicism, the Church of Churches. So a lot of uh, portrays of photos of Jesus came out of that type of traditional belief, the way Jesus looked. See, and the name Jesus and stuff like that. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? That's also a part of tradition, which the Bible does not break down how Jesus specifically looked because that's not important. And that's not Jesus' parents anyway. It's just his fleshly manifestation. God used a body. God used a frame so he can enter in. God entered into a body. And Jesus was transformed in that human body. See, but man worshiped the looks or their, their self-perceived look. I remember a few years ago when I was working in Broadway in Chicago. <laughs> when I was working at Broadway in Chicago. And it's this guy there, this Caucasian guy, white guy. You know, have a, a beard and whatever like the handsome young man. He kept his his hair in a ponytail and stuff like that. And I remember he said one time, he's not a believer, a Christian or nothing like that. You know, not then anyway. I don't know what's going on with him now. I forgot his name. But people they knew me as being a believer because I I I I I got a habit of teaching where I go. If but I don't throw it at you. It's just when we just happen to get in a conversation. But I remember he said one time that people always often come to him and say he looked like Jesus. And my stomach kind of turned, but I had to catch myself because I had to understand it's out of ignorance. 
because I have to I have to catch myself when he said that. I didn't take it as him being arrogant or lifting up himself. I took it out of out of ignorance because uh how him and others photogenically see Jesus. They don't look at Jesus because of his deity and what he done. When it comes to looks, they see him basically without really even doing it as being lily white or Caucasian. Blonde and blue eyed. See? And that's where I have to catch him. So I did say that. I said, oh, you mean the way they perceive or they as uh, traditionally they say Jesus look. I believe I told him that he understood, but I think he felt kind of embarrassed. Because I uh, maybe because I didn't say, yeah, you do favor Jesus. If no, I cannot say you favor Jesus. I ain't never seen Jesus. Nobody seen Jesus, but I know what you're talking about. It's how they portray Jesus, the the uh, you know uh, visual. Jesus was portrayed traditionally back then in the black and white churches. He was portrayed as Caucasian, Lily White, and whatever like that in America. And the black, I don't know about the other foreign countries. I'm just talking about here in America, you know, because a lot of things in America is black and white. So he was traditionally in movies and plays portrayed even back in the 30s when they made, you know, Jesus movies and stuff like that. The Ten Commandments, they was all basically Lily White. It was white actors, Caucasian white actors that portrayed that melanin white Caucasian color as the players. They was very, very similarly real Jewish peoples or whatever like that, you know. They start uh, laid on down in years and uh, slowly but surely start using real ethnic colors. When I mean ethnic colors, I'm not talking about black or pink or anything. I'm just talking ethnic colors of the cultures, you know. And stuff like that, you know, like the Passion of the Christ or, you know, even Jesus of Nazareth. He was portrayed as penetrating blue eyes. Robert Powell that played Jesus and Jesus of Nazareth. Lily White, Caucasian white man, penetrating eyes. And many people seen in the movie. So even myself in my head, when I used to think of Jesus, I think of Jesus being looking like that Robert Powell or Max von Sydow or uh, Jeffrey Hunter. Max von Sydow played in the greatest story ever told. Jeffrey Hunter played in the King of Kings. Blue eyes, beautiful eyes. Not Max von Sydow, but all those. And Jesus was always handsome. Some women would say fine, beautiful. He was also always handsome. See? long hair and stuff like that now there's a little difference today when they portray Jesus but still the majority of the Jesuses if I could put it that way play today are usually if they're not mixed with something they finally getting close to it they're Caucasian it's changing now but my point is whether it changed or not Jesus is portrayed as really a high melanin color person and even though they're getting more traditionally the way Jesus maybe looked, I say maybe because no man knows, you know, uh, the baby boners, boomers, even before them, vision Jesus as being that melanin white color. But even at that time, that didn't bother me because I didn't know no better. It still don't bother me today because I'm not stuck on color. I'm not stuck on it because I know that's not the real deity of Jesus. It's just a frame he used. See, I don't know what his melanin was, his color was. I don't know. I don't, I don't care. That don't interest me at all. See, because that's not a big interest today. 
And when you're stuck on that, whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're Asian or whatever, Saudi Arabia, whatever, it's not going to make you no better or make you no make you no righteous. It ain't gonna make you do less sin if he was black. It ain't gonna make you see you have an issue already. Your issue is your sin nature. See? Not your sins, because Jesus already took care of that. See the penalty. The issue is your sin nature. I don't care how black you want Jesus to be or you think it's old to you. That's not going to change you. You need to be saved. See, you need to be saved. So knowing, having proof that Jesus is black don't save you. Having proof that Hebrews is really black don't save you. That don't save you. You still going to hell. If you don't follow Paul's gospel, you see what I'm saying? I told you I'm going to get, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt some feelings today. That goes for whatever you are, Mormons or whatever. If you stuck or a black Muslim, it does not matter. Uh, Caucasian or Asian, whatever. Traditions. Traditions will destroy you, will send you to hell. Not your sins, it's your traditions, because traditions bring a lot of unbelief because your focus is too much on cultural, ethnic, traditional, you know, visual looking and uh, traditions and churches more than the way to be saved, the gospel, what you must believe. See? Okay? All right. I'm going to stop here. Because I have a lot to get into But the next time I start again I'm going to play uh, This video by audio It's 23.39 minutes long I want to do that today But you know me and my long introduction The name of this documentary Is called Explaining Protestant Denomination Denominations What is going to get into What's, what's the start What's the beginning of the uh, Denominations How come there's so many denominations and I really, I really want you to hear this. Why is there so many deny denominations? Okay, that's very important to know. Where the denominations start from? Now, this, this is just a little breakdown. This is not the whole exhaustive, really deep breakdown. There's many videos teaching that, but it's very important because it's going to help you to understand, you know, where you are and what church you belong to. Remember, on the first. Uh, the first show, the beginning of the series, I asked you. Remember, I asked you to do something. Not mandatory. You don't got to do it, but it will help. You know, in this series, if you're going to continue to down, download and listen to this series, I asked you to do something. Remember? Do you remember? I asked you. To find out what is your statement of faith, of faith or your creed in your church if you go to a church building, denomination. Find out what that is, either from your pastor or, you know, any assistant or whatever like that. Or you just Google it and find out the uh, statement of faith of that denomination you attend. No matter what denomination it is, Lutheran, Catholic, uh, just not going to say Catholic, but uh, Protestant. I'm talking about Protestant churches. Uh, you know, Protestant, 
you know, all Protestant churches mean it's exclude Catholic. Catholic church is not considered a Protestant church. Protestant churches started with Luther, remember? Protest. That's what Protestant mean, protest. The churches that was birthed out of that since the 1500s. You know, denominationalism really started starting out of Luther, then came Calvin and uh, Sweetly and all these other denominations start spreading out of that. You know, that's when the confusion, that's when that's how Satan started the confusion and denominationalism. And because you're going to find out from the 1500s now, before the 1500s, there's a history. See, there's people f seems to f forget. And even though I never even thought about this. There is a church history after the Apostle Paul's teaching. There is. The church does continue. It doesn't stop with Paul. The church, before even the 1500s, there was something going on. How was Paul's word getting spread? That's very important to understand. How was the gospel, which is for today, under the Apostle Paul, how did it get spread after Paul got beheaded? See? What went on with uh, Silas? We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase. And no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA. Get a quote today. You know, Barnabas and all Paul's followers, Timothy and all them, what did they do? I have no doubt they continued to spread the word. They don't have books later than First and Second Timothy. What happened after they passed away? How did they die and stuff like that? You know, that's not really explained. Now, some historians might understand. Maybe Josephus or other historians understand what happened with Barnabas and Silas and stuff like this. So it is a story with these guys. After the Bible was word of God was fulfilled, after the word of God is fulfilled, there was still a movement going on it didn't stop see it did not stop it was for fulfillment going on that's why i like to look at the history of the bible man is very important the history of christianity you know christianity there is a story after the apostles died apostle paul and john or whatever like that now the reason i'm saying apostle paul because apostle paul is the apostle of the gentiles that's the gospel that's in play today. Not John, the one that wrote Revelation. You know, I think he lived longer than Paul. But remember, uh, Paul's gospel is the gospel for today. That's the gospel we're supposed to be standing on. The gospel of the grace of God, Acts 20 and 24. The gospel that saves you, Acts 15, 1 to 4. That's the gospel of today that the church, the body of Christ is supposed to be following. But they don't. 90-something percent of the churches follow the kingdom program, Acts 2 and 38, uh, and stuff like that. I talked about that already. So, after Paul's gospel, many Peter, see Peter and the followers, because Peter mentioned that in 2 Peter, 
to follow Paul's teaching and stuff like that, you know. I'm going to get into that too as well. In order to understand what the church is supposed to be teaching, what the church is supposed to be doing today, listen closely. To understand what we should be embedded in and what we should be following mainly for our walk today is the letters of Paul, the 13 letters of Paul, Matthew, I mean Matthew, Romans through Philemon. That, remember, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those books. I'm not talking about any other before that. I'm talking about the church today. Paul fulfilled the word of God. See, the last gospel or duty for this church, the body of Christ, which is the Gentile church. There is no, was no more kingdom church. The kingdom church was postponed after the stoning of Stephen. Remember that. Going into Acts 13 on down the line. That's why in Acts 15, the last time you hear anything about Peter saying anything in the book of Acts is Acts 15. That's the last time you hear something about Peter, that meeting they had. You hear nothing else about Peter. It's all about Paul now. Because the transition to the Gentiles, from the Jews to the Gentiles, it transitioned, started off in Acts 9, not right because Paul got revealed. Within 25 years, Paul kept getting revelation and everything. He didn't know much, you know, but when he first got saved, but Father's grace message to the Gentile, when he went completely to the Gentiles, it was about 25 years in Paul's ministry, okay? And he kept getting different revelations from Jesus, you know, stuff like that, all right? It's all about Jesus, not Paul. It's all about Jesus. Okay? So just remember that. When you got the, you put your mind on X. After X 9 and stuff like that. And the last time you hear about Peter, you know, and this is before, this is after the uh, X 10. When uh, God gave Peter a little picture in X 10 with the four creatures coming down, the four sheets in X 10. Remember that? Uh, Ananias, the Italian. And stuff like that and the Holy Ghost fell on those Gentiles that was just God showing Peter this this transition is going to take place not for Peter to go out there to the Gentiles it was for him letting them know that there's going to be a change you know because after Stephen mostly all the Jews scattered except the apostles because they know they have to do something they have to finish up their great commission but they never done that they never got there the, the gospel of the kingdom the messianic Jewish program was postponed it was stopped and there's a gap between there is a stop if they would have kept going and obeyed then the kingdom for the program would have came in the tribulation would have had to still go through and then Jesus would have came back and set up his kingdom church but they went out in unbelief. You know, not the apostles so much, but most of the Jews and the leaders and stuff like that. So therefore, God came in with a new program. You know, I call it the trump card and to the Gentiles. See, God, by him all-knowing and foreknowing, past, present, and future, he knew the Jews was going to go out in unbelief. So he already had that plan for the Gentiles now. Not with a covenant, not with another, because the Gentiles was never under no law. They was never, uh, never under no covenant. That's very important to understand. Why would Paul 
I mean, why would God use the same gospel for someone that never been under a covenant? You ever thought about that? Why would God use the same same gospel to a pagan, wretched nation like the Gentiles that he gave a chance earlier when the earth got destroyed in the water by Noah? See, those was Gentiles then, even though you didn't see that name too much of the King James Gentiles. Why would he go to someone he never had a covenant with, with the same thing? See, God is precise. Precept by precept, God is very precise what he does. So in order for God to go, let me say this first. If God, if the gospel was the same as what the uh, the 12 was preaching, why did he just not use the same 12? And Peter now to go out to the Gentiles to preach the kingdom gospel, the Acts 2.38 gospel, the Matthew 16 and 16 gospel, the believing who he was gospel, the believing he was the Messiah gospel. Why did he not use Peter and all them to go out to the Gentiles? See, why did he use someone else like Saul of Tarsus, Paul, to go out to the Gentiles? See, Paul's a Jew, too. He's a Roman citizen, but he's also a Jew. Why didn't God, why did God have to just dip over like that and use another Jew to go out to preach the same message? That don't make sense. He would use the same one. He already told them to go to the Judea, Jerusalem, then go out to the world. Why would he all of a sudden not use them? Okay, and go to some other Jewish person that was a Roman citizen, Paul, to go preach the same gospel. God don't work that way. Remember, these guys was moving by the infilling of the Holy Spirit because there was no word of God fulfilled yet, Bible-wise. So they was, they was moved by the Holy Spirit. God could have used them the same way he used Paul if they was preaching the same gospel. But that tells you they was not preaching the same gospel. How could he preach the same gospel to the Gentiles when they was never under no covenant? They was never under no law. They was never looking for no Messiah. They was never looking for no king like that. They had human Gentile kings. See? You, you follow what I'm saying? This is very important for me to go even further. The reason I'm going there, because you have to understand a lot of the Jew- Jewish traditions and plus added on man traditions, a lot of the Jewish laws, let me just put it that way, added with man-made traditions. That's what's dominating the church today. That's what the obesity is. See, the obesity is not only uh, predominantly the Jewish kingdom laws that many churches are going by, but the man-made traditions added. You have carbohydrates. With the, you have good carbohydrates that's not in play no more, that's not needed today. Uh, loaded by bad carbohydrates, the junk food. What I was talking about them spiritually, the good carb, carb, the, the carbohydrates is the kingdom program, the Jewish program. See, under the law, the Mosaic law, the Jewish program, the kingdom messianic promised Jewish program, 
Then you have the man-made traditions and the denominations, just like you had the Pharisee tradition and the Sadducees and all that stuff. You have that today. That's the added junk carbohydrates. You see, I, now you see why I'm saying I'm putting these two together. The carbohydrates is the problem physically for losing weight. I mean, for obesity and the carb, spiritual carbohydrates spiritually is the problem in the church today, the body of Christ. Added traditions, old traditions and added man traditions. The majority of them come through the Jewish program that many churches are using in their churches today. There's so much I can talk about, man. I just can't, ain't no way I can be able to get all this in because I'm also limited myself. So what I'm going to do, Lord's willing, the next program, they're going to come slow because I got to look more into a lot of things because I'm thinking off the cuff of my head now. Uh, and I hope you will understand in order for me to go any further when I talk about obesity study just jumping right into it you got to understand why I call it spiritual obesity why I call why why do I say uh, denominationalism has a lot of error and stuff like that you know and that's why I'm gonna let you look at this uh, this document explaining pro Protestant denominations. I want you to do your own research as well, just like I told you about the physical diet. I most definitely want you to research this as a spiritual diet. The beginning of denominations, what is all is you you owe yourself that. See, you owe yourself that. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday to know what church you in and what your church teach is it lined up with the word of god simple as that is it lined up with the word of god now what word of god i'm talking about i'm talking about paul's teaching is what's been taught in your church lined up with the doctrine of sound doctrine of what paul teaches is which is what the church is supposed to be uh mostly walking in and teaching today the 13 dollars of paul do your church teach that or, yes, you teach the whole Bible. Listen closely. You teach the whole Bible. But our walk, our doctrine, our duties with the body of Christ today is the 13 letters of Paul. That's very important to know that. You can just take what I just said and line it up and see, do your church teach the majority, which it should be the majority of the letters of Paul, because that's the doctrine, sound doctrine for today, for the body of Christ. Anything else outside of Paul letters for telling you what you need to do is not the gospel for today. It's probably mainly, and I'm sure, the kingdom gospel, Israel's gospel, which is the law. I told you it's going to be surprising to a lot of you guys because most of your churches are doing that. That's how you line up what's been taught today. Does it line up with the letters of Paul? But the majority of the people that's listening to me, it's not going to accept it because they don't think Paul's letters is the gospel for the day or what we should be doing today. So it's going to be some issues with a lot of people with that. And that's the danger. That's what Satan wants you 
See, why do you think Paul, God had Paul to write 13 letters more than any other writer in the Bible? Yes, Moses wrote five. They're longer. But Paul wrote 13 letters more than any other person in the Bible. And you go ignore his teachings? You think he just wrote those 13 letters for nothing? John wrote five. Peter only wrote two. James only wrote one. Isaiah and all these other ones wrote, what was what that? You know, think about that. Apostle Paul, 13 letters. You think God had him to write 13 letters and he's not important in the Bible? He's the more, most important writer in the Bible today because that's for the church today. That's why he had 13 letters. So the doctrines that we supposed to be embedded in are the letters of Paul. We get a lot of information in the Old Testament and the prophets come to life because we're not going to understand what Paul's saying unless we know something about the, uh, the, the prophets and all that and everything. That's very important. See, but Paul quotes a lot of that. It's like Jesus quotes a lot of the Old Testament that prophesied about him through the kingdom program, past tense. See, past tense. You understand what I'm saying? Time past, but now ages to come. Once you understand the mystery, and I'm getting more into the mystery, what I mean by the mystery for the ones that don't know. The mystery is the letters of Paul's letters. It's a hidden mystery only revealed to him. I'm going to redundantly say that. That's why you know good and well Paul's letters and messages are different than the four gospels and Peter and James and John's letters. It's meant to be. Different means not the same. See, different means they're not the same. And once you get to do this series, basically, you will understand if you are in the right church that's teaching sound doctrine for the church today. Not the past gospel message, but the gospel for today that's been for today over a couple of thousand years ago. It's been Paul's gospel. Paul's sound doctrine. This is Joseph Brownlee, Body of Christ, Real Talk. Spiritual obesity. The body of Christ, the church, needs to be put on a diet. Spiritual obesity. That's what I'm teaching. Okay, God bless you all. Until then, salvation is for today. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to be saved. And that's believing on the what, not the who. See, let me tell you what I mean by that. The who was Israel's Messiah, Jesus, their king, their Yeshua, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Jews, the, uh, the Jewish Messiah. I just thought I'd say that. I like saying that. <laughs> the, Jew, the Jewish Messiah. 
they had to believe who Jesus was. Just read the Gospels. It, 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 it'll tell you who Jesus, what they was looking for. The book of Matthew portrays Jesus as king, the Jewish king, the promised king. That's why you have over 30-something times, close to 30, over, I'll just say over 30 times, the kingdom of heaven is mentioned in the Matthew more than any other of the three other Gospels. The kingdom of heaven is mentioned over 30, I believe 35 times in the book of Matthew. I marked it down in my Bible, over 30-something times in the book of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven. See, you read the book of Luke, it talks about his humanity, but still Jewish. It gets into the birth of John the Baptist and all that other stuff that Matthew don't get into. Do you have the book of Mark, more of a fast-paced 16 chapters, dealing with the servanthood as Jesus as servant in the book of Mark? Then you get to John, Jesus' deity, Jesus the Son of God, Jesus as God, Jesus the Messiah. Believing who he was, Jesus deals a lot of them believing who Jewish, the Jews believing who he was, that our Messiah, their king, a Jewish Bible, a Jewish teaching, especially John. Many debates, rebuking, believe they had to believe who he was. They got to believe who he was. They had to believe who he was. They had to believe that he was the Messiah. Read John, you'll see that. Read St. John. It's who he was, addressed more than any of the other Gospels. Book of Matthew talks about the kingdom of heaven more than any other Gospel. But it's all Jewish. But you still cannot get saved by those four Gospels. You don't get saved by believing who Jesus was because there was a Jewish Gospel. That's the Jews' Gospel. They could only get saved. They had to believe who he was. The Gentiles didn't have to. The Jews had to. There was a prophesied Messiah. Okay? Today, we're not under that program. We're under the gospel of the grace of God, Acts 20 24. We're not under no government or no law. We're not under a conditional program. We're unconditional. We believe by faith, not by sight. See, we believe of what Jesus did, not who he was. You could read up and find out who he was. You already know that, but that wouldn't bring you salvation. Only what he did. Because what's more important now for us is what he did. His resurrection. Death, burial, and resurrection. Mainly his resurrection. That's the gospel for today. That's how we get saved today. See? 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4. The gospel. Read that. Please read it. Please read it. That's the salvation message for today. That's the gospel for today. That's the only gospel for today. There's no other gospel. There's no other way to be saved. That is the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4. You believe that, you will be saved. Nothing else you got to do when you sincerely believe it with a contrite heart. Now, I, I tell you what I mean by that because I got to put specifics on it. Because all I want you to think this easy believism. You got to really believe from your heart, and God only knows when you're sincere. You can't sneak in it. You can't you can't go around God's way. You can't just say, I'm gonna just sin and go to heaven. No, it don't work like that. 
It don't work like that. You believe sincerely of what Jesus done, and he done a lot. You will be saved, okay? God bless you. This is Joseph Browley, Body of Christ, Real Talk. Till next time, I'm going to be getting into some few uh, videos by audio so you could I can just get from now. I'm going to try not to make this uh, as long as the diet, the physical diet. And uh, because I go over this so much repetitiously, I go over this so much and everything. I just want to give you a basic of what I mean about spiritual obesity and how you can untradition your tradition. <laughs> Whatever sense that make. Because a lot of us was caught up in a lot of spiritual tradition and most of the churches still is. See? And you will see all this coming to fruition when I get when I'm getting more and more into this uh, series. And it should open up your eyes if you are listening with an objective type of ear. See? You may you may hear but you're not listening. These are for the listeners, not hearers but the listeners big difference. God bless you. Love you. I love you all. Thank you for giving me the time downloading uh, my message. God bless you. Love y'all. Peace out. Body of Christ. Real talk. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday.